Another one of my keys to success that now looking back over my career is I've always surrounded myself with people who have even bigger visions than mine, who are able to articulate visions even bigger than the ones I have or that I contribute to. And all three of those guys are direct examples. They all three dream so big and are such great visionaries. Welcome to the Success Flow Podcast, where our mission is simple, to be better each day, and relay our findings with other relentless humans defining success for themselves. If that sounds like you, let's begin. All right, we have an amazing guest on the show today. I can't wait to just dive right into Mr. Nate Dominguez. This guy I've known for five years. I got an email one day saying he was starting an amazing networking chapter. I sent it to my business partner and I'm like, who the heck is Nate Dominguez? And she goes, Go and don't stop going. So that's what I did, and I've known you for five years now, buddy, and you've become one of my closest friends. Nate, tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell the listeners about yourself and some background. Well, thank you, Stephen. Thank you, Phil. Thank you both for having me here today. It's truly a pleasure and a privilege and a treat for me. So hopefully uh, this is as fun and as awesome for everybody else as it's going to be for me. Uh, I remember that day we met, Stephen, uh, well, as a matter of fact, and not just because you're a foot and a half or so taller than me. (laughs) But um, I remember that day well because your business partner was also kind enough to have tipped me off that she had sent you to that meeting. And that's the power of networking. And really, as a real quick intro for me, what I do is network for a living. So it gets me out of bed every day, but I have nothing to do with technology. I like to network with people face-to-face, belly-to-belly, whether it's on Zoom or on technology or in-person shaking hands. Uh, I love to network with people. It's what I've done all my life. I know we're going to tell a few stories today to to give that a little context, but I currently run an organization called BNI. I'm here in Arizona along with you two guys, and we put together networking groups to help support small business owners, entrepreneurs, salespeople, a ton of nonprofits uh, all throughout this great state of Arizona. I could never do it alone. We've got a team of more than 50 people that work with us here at BNI Arizona. Our office is in Central Phoenix, and, and we love to help others and have a lot of fun along the way. Love it. Love it, Nate. And I had the privilege of being introduced uh, to you by Stephen as we were kind of going through the process of expanding the organization we're both in now, Junto, which we'll talk about in a bit. And I remember uh, going on that uh, first date with you, as you have to do when kind of going through the Junto process and uh, listening to a little bit of your story, but then meeting you uh, and having lunch, I believe it was at the, uh, the... the breakfast uh, breakfast club uh, up on Tatum and remembering how it was no surprise that what you do for a living is bringing people together. And it was a very easy conversation, but we got into kind of some deep areas. And I think shaping kind of your story before B&I is super important. was curious if you could, this is going to be a double loaded question, but kind of the impact of the jobs that you had when you were younger, specifically the golf course and being around success, this being the Success Flow podcast, how that kind of shaped your environment early and kind of the direction you were going along with the impact of, of your father. And then I know that you also went through some pretty tough relationship losses uh, at an early age, and we're going to kick it off kind of uh, kind of deep here. And if you could expand on that and how that shaped your outlook from an early age, we'd love to get rolling that way. Sweet. Cut me off at any point because um, I, I could talk about this stuff for days. And, and it played a huge role in shaping me, but I also like to share some of these stories because I think others can learn from them. And if, if I can inspire one person here uh, to, to do a little bit more when it comes to the world of networking and relationship building and connecting and, and building true, meaningful relationships, um, then I think this will be worth it for everybody. So I kind of grew up as a natural networker. I give my parents a lot of credit for that. My grandparents, must have been a few teachers along the way that ha- that planted seeds in me that kind of summarize everything I just said. You got to build relationships, networking. There's no such thing as too much networking, especially with people. And, and I grew up, you know, we grew up before there was a ton of technology, but then saw that evolve and just kind of exponentially uh, increase everything. So As a kid, I was never the most popular kid in school. I was not the most extroverted kid. I wasn't an introvert either, but I'd kind of place myself in the middle in my early days. I was an athlete, so I played on multiple different sport teams and different sports. Definitely learned a lot through that, but uh, a few lucky turns for me, as you alluded to one of them, 
really the first job I ever had in high school at 16 years old was at a golf course in, here in Scottsdale, scrubbing golf clubs, but more so interacting with uh, members and guests and tourists. And I remember some celebrities would come to that golf course and I was at the absolute bottom of the food chain, but we still had a tiny bit of interaction with people. What, what was the name, Nate? What, what was the name of the golf course? Uh, first golf course I ever worked at was McCormick Ranch Golf Course okay. on Scottsdale Road, right in the heart of Scottsdale, still there to this day. Uh, and, and I failed to mention, I had never really played golf before I got that job. A buddy of mine had a job there prior to me. Somebody must have gotten fired or let go the day before. They needed somebody. He calls me. I needed a part-time job to make some money, start paying for gas and, you know, you name it, whatever kids do. And so um, I remember thinking... You know, this job involves having to bring your A game to interact with people who are much older and much more successful than me, who had a passion for a sport called golf that I had never really played. So I couldn't relate on that context, but I had to build relationships if for no other reason than we worked mainly off of tips, right? So what I realized was if in order for me to get these people to tip me for parking their car or cleaning their golf clubs, I've got to get them to kind of like me a little bit. And so that taught me a lot about not just working with others, but working for others and, you know, call it hospitality or whatever you want as it relates to um, relationships. Even though in that case, it was really short and sweet. Rarely would I ever see the same person twice. Uh, but in the little time I had to build a relationship, to create some rapport, hopefully get a tip for it, I think taught me a lot. Then Phil also mentioned in the double loaded question there, um, I did have some early tragedy in my life, not directly in my family, but in the closest thing I had to my family. I grew up with another family that had five kids. Uh, we were, I was very close with all five of them. And um, I'm the oldest of three. So I have a younger brother, younger sister who are each two years younger than me and younger than each other. And I'm the oldest of the three kids in my household. And this family, their name is the Bowden family here in the Valley. Uh, they had five kids and I was closest. The one that was my age was their youngest. So his name was JJ. He had four older siblings. I had two younger siblings. We hit it off really early on. We had a ton of things in common, sports and video games and um, work ethic and uh, working hard and playing harder. And so this guy, JJ, and I just became inseparable. As little kids, uh, we grew up together. We played on sporting teams together. We went to school together. And fast forward to our senior year of high school, one of his four older siblings, his older brother by the name of Sean, was killed in a car accident. He wasn't driving. It was on the way down to Rocky Point, a forerunner, long, tragic story. Uh, and I remember well when JJ called me and said, Nate, Sean's been in a bad car accident. You know, what are you doing? Can we get together? I immediately went to his mom's house where a bunch of the family was. And um, I, for me, it was one of the first times I experienced tragedy in my life. My grandparents were all still alive at the time. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. It hit this entire family like a ton of bricks. And I was kind of the adopted nephew that even though we weren't blood relatives and it hit me really hard too. Well, fast forward two years later with a ton of things in between uh, JJ, the, my good buddy was killed in a car accident as well. So I watched a family of five lose two kids in car accidents uh, in a pretty short time period and a pretty crazy way, some two crazy ways. And it hit me so hard that there's a, more to this story, but I now have a 15 year old son of my own who's in high school right now. He's an athlete, he's a great student, he's a great son. And when my wife and I found out our first child was gonna be a boy before he had been born, uh, we decided to name him JJ. So it's a small part of my best friend's legacy that lives on, you know, tw I was 21 years ago that he was killed in that car accident, 15 years ago that my son was born. And, Figure if it's a small thing I can do when it goes back to relationships and networking and experiences to have a little bit of legacy in my house and in my family that relates to a house and a family that played a huge role in my life, it's the least I can do. We talk a lot about <clears throat> on this podcast that the environment that you're around is half the battle when you're looking at trying to set yourself up for, for future milestones or success and know that that's a, a tiny example of how you were younger and then how you bounce back from adversity and, and those tougher struggles. And I think you're a great example of that. I'll kick it back over to you, Steven. Yeah. I mean, that, that story just, it, that's a tough story I know for you to reflect on, but you know, the amount of uh, things that came out of that and uh, the knowledge you got and the experiences that you got, not necessarily positive, but you know, going back to the golf course, you learned how to interact with strangers, right? Like it's the hospitality type stuff, being a server and, and offering that customer service and developing those relationships is huge, but also the tragedy stuff. Like that's just a testament of who you are too. And you are so close with that family and the relationships that you built. You're a genuine dude. And even if you're not close with somebody, you're still always there for them. 
And when someone's in your circle, though, it's like family. It's always been that way for you. And I've experienced that. And I know your son, JJ, his first name is Jack, which is the same uh, same name as my son, Jack. And they're both baseball players. And now they're both playing for Angels for Horizon High School over at Bo Pulverosa's uh, camp. He, you know, your 13-year-old writer and uh, my, my 11-year-old son, Jack. So we've got a lot of commonalities there, which is really awesome. And I'm super blessed to know you. And I'm glad we connected through BNI. And I just cannot uh, forget about that first day walking in to this room of like, what the heck am I getting into? But for me, being a small business owner, trying to attract small business customers, it was a perfect fit to develop those relationships and generate referrals and also give back to the community. So kind of talking about BNI a little bit um, and what you provide and what you do as the executive director, which by the way, BNI Arizona is what the second largest location across the, uh, the world or the country, I would say at least. Um, but we grow our business purely off of referrals and it's probably 50% of our new revenue comes from BNI alone. So I have no plans to ever leave my chapter and, uh, you were president one year and asked me to be VP with you. And that was a lot of fun. And so it's, uh, just a really cool experience to so kind of expand on that for any small business owners or salespeople that are looking into growing their businesses through referral. We had a lot of fun that year. And oh, by the way, uh, it's worth noting the fact we both did as well and the group did as well as we did during the year that the world shut down, I think is a testimonial to our relationship, yeah. how strong it got That's so right. quickly. But let me back up before I touch on the BNI thing. Um, here's a piece of the JJ story that I've actually never shared on a, on a video like this really. So he passes away. I was going to college uh, with my then girlfriend, now wife, Kelly, at the time. We were going to NIU up in Flagstaff uh, when he got in the car accident in Scottsdale. And, and he lived for a few hours after that, but then passed away. And we were actually out of town. We were in Montana. So we weren't even in Flagstaff at the time. We were in Montana, kind of in a remote area with her family, with Kelly's family. And this was pretty pre-cell phone. And if we had flip phones back then, I don't think we had service because I remember we show up at this camp, this remote camp in northern Montana, and uh, it was a landline. And my father had figured out how to call from Scottsdale to get my father-in-law, soon to be father-in-law, on the phone and tell him, I need to talk to Nate. An accident has happened. Let me get Nate on the phone. And then my dad let me know that JJ was in ICU, wasn't looking good, wasn't going to make it through the night. I was six hours away from the nearest airport um, up in Washington and having to fly home. So we fly home, you know, get together with the family. It's tragic. He passed away by then. And a piece of the story I've never really told people that ties into us being here today is that his family immediately, I remember like within minutes of seeing them, asked me to be prepared to give a eulogy at his funeral, which was scheduled for three or four days later, following Saturday or Sunday or something. And this happened in uh, October of 2011. So for a tiny bit of history lesson, 9-11 happened. Uh, the Diamondbacks, our home baseball team, wins the World Series. JJ turns 21. Uh, we were in our sophomore years of college. He was still down here in the Valley. He turns 21. We come down here, have a great celebratory party for his 21st birthday. Kelly and I go back to Flagstaff, end up flying up to Montana, and he passes away. That all happened within about three weeks. And then I turned 21 like two weeks after that. Yeah. So the family asked me to give a eulogy. I had never spoken publicly uh, even having grown up around networking, I had never spoken in front of a hundred people, let alone a couple thousand people. And I was 20 years old. And naturally I said, yes, I had no idea what I was going to say. I was not prepared. Um, it was a really traumatic time for everybody. We pretty much dropped what we were doing with school and everything else. And it was still coming off of the national tragedy of 9-11. Like the entire world was still mourning 9-11 when he passed away on October 5th. And uh, so I we get so I knew it would be a good size funeral because his older brother had passed away two years earlier and I was at that funeral and there were a couple hundred people there. Well, we show up to the church that JJ's family had scheduled the um, services at, and there were about two thousand people in the building. I kid you not, from the outpouring of support of friends and family that had watched this family lose an older child just a few years previous to this. And I remember walking in and it's standing room only in this huge church, probably meant for 500 people, but there were more than a thousand. So it was standing room only along this back wall, little two footer stage, you know, it wasn't like a big elaborate stage and a podium and a microphone. And it was very, very quick in that the, the priest, the minister of the services invites me up to stage to give my eulogy. And I remember looking out over the audience just in, you know, total emotion taking over my body. And 
Um, my dad had given me a tip before, and this is part of the story. I've literally, I don't know if I've ever told anybody this part of the story ever. My dad gave me a tip and said, act as if it's just you and him in the room. And I like a day or two prior as I was preparing for this. And I remember walking up here and looking out and yes, there's 2000 people, my family, his family, my girlfriend, her family, all of our high school friends, a lot of our college friends, a lot of his older brother's friends, and just picturing that he were in, was in the back of the room. And it really was just the two of us and the same relationship that we had built over so many years. And I got through it. And this was pre, you know, video phones. And so there's no videos of any of this, not that anybody would have taken one, but I really don't remember exactly what I said. Nobody remembers exactly what I said, but people have brought it up as recently as six months or a year ago when other people I know have had grief and people pass away and remember it and the impact. And, and I think it just goes back to that relationship thing. So fast forward to answer your question. Yes, I work with a company called BNI. It stands for Business Network International. We build networking groups. And part of the relationship thing is the ability to conversate, the ability to discuss and be proud of who we are and what we do. A lesson that I learned just in the last couple of days at the Rich Summit I was with was you guys. Uh, I think it was this guy, our, our compadre Centauri said, start a brag list of your own kind of accomplishments or your company's accomplishments and document it because you never know when you're going to need it and you don't want to forget it. And I've never done such a thing. I've never done that in my life. I have it all up here, but what I've lost from up here is now lost forever because I've never documented such a thing. So in BNI, we help people grow their businesses. We do so by referral through relationships, but the speaking component is an important avenue of it. I would say even in our Junto group, being able to articulate our messages, being able to handle our emotions, but still open our mouths and talk is valuable and I owe a lot of that to my company and hopefully I've added some of that to my company as well. Um, Cause I remember Steven that day I met you, what were there a hundred people in that room or so when oh, you walked easy. in that first time? Yeah, more than a hundred for sure. I didn't know a single soul. I walked in, I was like, all right, let's go have some fun. And uh, yeah, it, it was a packed, packed house for sure. And we've come a long way ever since then and I'm, I'm so grateful for it. Yeah, we have. And you know, just going back to that eulogy story, that's an incredible one. And, and just kind of paints a picture of challenging yourself on purpose because something meant so much to you. And no, no matter what happens, you're going to get through it. And when you say you've totally forgot what you even said, it was more about how you made people feel right. And people picked up on those words, but that's flow state, man. Like you were in it, you were singular focused on talking to your, uh, talking to JJ in the back of the room. And I think that's a good reminder for a lot of people who are afraid of public speaking. Obviously that's a very difficult situation to be in for public speaking, um, in a kind of a sad uh, arena, but it also was a celebration of life. And it, it, it was a, something that just as a reminder to say, hey, just talk to the person that you're speaking to and imagine only them in the room, not the crowd of 100 or 1,000 people. Um, so that was a really cool story uh, to, to, uh, to hit home on, on, on making sure you challenge yourself on purpose, see what comes out on the other side. And here you are, you do public speaking all day long, all the time for the last 20, you know, 20 years or so. It would have been easy to buckle. And I remember, so I rode there with another mutual best friend of ours. And it, it's not a far drive, but it probably took us a half hour by the time we'd all gotten all dressed up to get to the church. Um, and uh, park, park, parking lot was packed and my, my palms were sweating. I'm sure I had butterflies. Uh, but I was able to, now that I say this all out loud and with Bill here, something, Bill, you've taught me a ton, and I know your listeners hear about this, is tapping into our subconscious. And I still have a lot to learn. But I think as I was describing that story out loud and reflecting on a lesson you have taught me multiple times over, Phil, and I know you practice this stuff too, Stephen, um, somehow I had to have been able to tap into my subconscious even that day, 21 years ago, more than I realized at the time, definitely, but more than I've even connected since then. Um, and hopefully I can learn to do it even more so because, yeah, it, I remember wanting to, to buckle. I remember wanting to think I'm gonna, just going to cut this short walk up, say three words and sit down. Instead, I probably overstayed my welcome with nothing else from what I recall. But, uh, but yeah, so funny that that all just came out pretty organically today. I love that. <clears throat> and it's always there, right? That's a skill set once you develop. That knowledge, is it's up there. We just have to create the space to be able to get to it. I am really curious. So I'm going to give the, the back story just to, you know, to, to get us up to speed to, to this point in time. But very unique story with your spouse, Kelly, who's a rock star. And met in high school, went to a high school dance. And basically the rest was history. Went to college together as roommates. And then did go kind of your separate ways. I might, I might be getting the, the story in your, once no, you're professional. No, no I, I, I just oh, meant professionally. Yes. 
and kind of into real estate. But today you are both rocking it out together as partners day in, day out. And I think this is awesome. It's extremely unique, uh, especially when you're talking about discipline and having your goals set out and what you want. I, I love it. And so I was curious more so on day in and day out. Some of the listeners may be considering this in the future. And some people say, oh, don't go into business with your spouse. I, I do not fall into that camp. I think it can be done, but it takes a specific set of people like you two. So could you give us a rundown of what that's like day in, day out? Uh, yes, happy to and so proud to. Uh, my beautiful better half, who is both the brains and the good looks of our operation, our business, our household, my life. Uh, her name's Kelly. Her middle name's Joe, so we refer to her as Kelly Joe a lot. Uh, we named our daughter Ella Joe, so I have something with names and legacy, which we don't need to get into anymore. So we met on the first day of high school, Horizon High School, where Stephen and my middle son now practice baseball, ironically, in a strange twist of fate. Um, yeah, I don't practice baseball uh, with your son, but yes, I did go to Horizon. <laughs> yeah. But your, your son's team, Jack's team, is practicing at Horizon, right? Does he you, is, yeah. Does so the Angels team have their practice? They do. Varsity Field. Yeah, he's 11U. 11U, yeah. Yeah. Uh, My guy's 13U, and he had practice there last night. I picked him up. So uh, we met there. First day was senior prom. Went away to college up in Flagstaff. Boyfriend, girlfriend. No expectations or certainly no guarantees that we'd still be together. Graduated in May of 04. Shortly before that, I proposed on her birthday. We moved down to Phoenix where both of our families and businesses and futures were. She gets involved in real estate. I get involved in networking. We get married a year later. That will be um, 19 years ago next March. And uh, we'll have been, we'll celebrate 25 years together uh, next March as well. Now we've got the three kids I mentioned and the highlights of our life. Today actually happens to be my daughter, our youngest ninth birthday. So I cleared my morning this morning to be able to take her to school. We stopped and got her a cake pop at Starbucks on the way. And it's, you know, the whole kit and caboodle. So working together. Uh, I get asked this a lot because we have worked together now for more than 15 years. I got to give a little credit where it's due. My parents never worked together. My mom was a school teacher for 30 plus years. She's now retired. My dad was a serial entrepreneur. Uh, But my uh, grandparents on my mom's side uh, for most of my life and until they retired, they owned a manufacturing business together. And I would work odds and end jobs there before and after that golf course gig in high school um, to help them out and make a little cash on the side. So I did get to witness my grandparents, who ended up being married for 66 years. They were high school sweethearts, uh, worked together in a manufacturing business, bricks and mortar, central Phoenix, building a, a form of shutters, in essence. Um, my parents did not work together, never have. Kelly's parents have worked together in real estate for more than 20 years. So I also got that angle, uh, seeing a couple I wasn't related to, never worked for And they're both semi-retired now, but in essence, they still work together as well. So it wasn't our plan, but when the real estate market crashed in like 08, 09, Kelly had our first son. She was doing stuff from home. I had a home office at the time. She was kind of observing the things that I wasn't doing very well in this little networking and BNI career of mine. And she slowly but surely started helping out. And that's really how it it was born to help me be more efficient, more effective. She's got the detail side, the detail brain of our operation. And I'm so grateful for that. And it allows me to really think more big picture and not get caught up in details, big or small. And so uh, so we've been working together probably about 15 years full time now. We complement each other in a lot of ways because a lot of what we do overlaps for the company. But I would say one of our keys to success, and we haven't come up with this on our own, we've had business coaches, really three different iterations over like the last decade or 12 years, um, and we couldn't do it without each of them. Uh, They've helped us to find ways that we can support our company, support our team, which again is more than 50 people that work all over the state of Arizona, some of whom will go months in between seeing in person even. Um, And we found ways where we, we work separately on a lot of different projects, which means I've got to trust her a lot in certain areas in our business that I don't have much involvement in, that I don't have much influence on. And equally, she's got to trust me a lot. And again, we weren't born that way. We didn't start that way. It's a labor of love. But a tip I have for, I know you guys both practice this. Anybody who ever watches this for the rest of time, um, get a coach in any aspect of your life. If Kelly and I weren't such firm believers in business coaches. We've worked with life coaches. I've hired sales coaches for myself and my team. Um, there's so many things that we try to be good at and get better at, but there's so many things that we suck at that somebody else is awesome at 
that for a few bucks and some time um, can really help. And that's been absolutely one of our keys to success is finding lanes within our company. And it also applies in our household, as a matter of fact, finding lanes within our household that overlap, but also plenty of them that are separate and trusting each other so that at the end of the day, it doesn't cause fights, which really almost never happens for us at this point. Um, and doesn't always maybe work out exactly how both of us would have done it together, but it does always work out, knock on wood. <clears throat> that about you stuck out very clearly to me, and we talk on this podcast a lot about the concept of the business athlete, and the, having a coach, what athlete doesn't have a coach to help them improve, sharpen the sword, and, make, and hold them accountable, that stuck out, and then you're also, I know, hitting the gym uh, uh, frequently as well. It's a part of your life, and 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 you really embody that uh, business athlete mindset all the way around between between coaching Not as, as well. Not as much lately as I would hope. I have two torn ligaments in my elbow, which I'm working on getting fixed. But it's not just the gym, actually. I'm glad you just touched on that. I'm, I, I love the gym. Um, I, I, I wish I had more drive to spend even more time in the gym. Same with Kelly. But I will say, even when we're not in or out of the gym together or separate, we're always active. And that, that has also, and it's hard, even on the days we don't want to, we both have backpacked the Grand Canyon together, not once, but twice. Um, we hike a ton. We snowboard when we can. She's gotten more into golf, even just in the last six months or so. Maybe that's part of my elbow issue, by the way. Um, as soon as I get that fixed, I, we can't wait to spend even, our boys have now gotten into golf. They're 15 and 12. They've got their own clubs now. Uh, they really enjoy the game. So the four of us have gotten out together. Um, and so staying active, I, I wish it were more so specifically in the gym, but I, I make sure that even when I'm not in the gym as much as I'd like to be, I'm always staying active. I do a lot of the um, landscaping around my home, even though we outsource some of it. And I don't love it, especially this time of year in Arizona. But even being outdoors, doing work around the house, I get my family to help me. You know, we don't wash our own cars every time, but a lot of the time we as a family will wash cows in my vehicles. And it's a point of pride. It's time we spend together. Um, and so we're always active. I, I wish I could say we worked out more, but we definitely remain very, very active. And it seems to help. Yeah, that's awesome. You you do have a, a tremendous family. And I know Kelly personally. And you're right. B&I Arizona only gets its good looks from her. Sorry, Nate. But she also has a she's very independent and confident. I mean, I remember when I was. VP with you two years later, I was president of our chapter and I remember running an open business day and I think it was a Hawaiian luau theme. We got some Hawaiian dancers coming in and all that stuff. But Kelly was our featured speaker. We brought her in and she was like, hell yeah, let's do it. And did a whole acronym on Hawaii and like shared her knowledge. And she's just super impactful. And the way you guys operate, it goes back to that communication, right? I come from a family where my parents work together and they're still married, I think, 35, 37 years. Maybe it's 40. I can't remember. But they're, they've been married for a long time. And it just goes back to that communication. And also, not always talking about work around your kids will help the relationship with your kids as well. And I think a lot of that activity that you're doing, getting out of the house, getting out of the day-to-day, -day, that's what really helps. So that's super impressive and a good reminder for us all. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, I think uh, I, I think it's a, a good time to drive to you know where we just were and what we've been working on the past few years with with Junto AZ, which really Nate, you were you know at the seat at with a couple other men's uh, professional groups that you've uh, you've been a part of and are still a part of Junto today. So I say you take us there, take us through kind of the the origin, where we've been, how it started, and kind of lead us up to this past weekend. Yes, uh, and it, this is something I'm so passionate about and really one of the highlights of my life right now, other than my family, my kids, and my business, is is this group I'm so blessed to be in. And to get to spend the last couple of days with you two is such a treat for me. And it now bleeds into my family. I've talked with them about it since I got home. So, so the bullet point versions of the story go like this. I was very lucky about 10 years ago to start to grasp the concept that we've all heard, and that is, you know, you are the sum of the five people you spend the most time with, or, you know, your, your network is your net worth, or, you know, your, uh, my grandmother would say to me as a kid, the more you give back to your community, the more your community will give back to you. So make sure you have a good community. So the summary of all those things really for me clicked about, I would say I'm estimating, but about a decade ago, two people came into my life, mainly through BNI and networking, but a lot of people come and go in that world that stuck with me and are so close to me to this day. You guys know them both. They are Ryan Madrid and Alex Kinley. Uh, Ryan's a top mortgage professional in town, grew up here in the Valley. Uh, I know his sister, his family's amazing. 
has had ups and downs in his life, even more personal than mine with my indirect stories and my buddy passing away. Uh, but Ryan's a rock star. And I met him first about a year or two later uh, in a roundabout way. He introduces me to Alex Kinley, who's a top financial uh, professional in town. Uh, Alex also, uh, not from here, but went to ASU here, met a girl, stuck around, smart man like I am. He married a, gal, a beautiful gal named Kelly. They've got two great girls. Alex is now you know, a consultant of mine and vice versa. So the three of us kind of came together organically, I would say, and, and we've tried to document the exact dates. We estimate it was about a decade ago. Well, fast forward a year or two later, they tap into a guy that I would have never known if it weren't for them by the name of Ted Lyles, Teddy, as you two know him. And uh, they get together with him. He's a top professional in commercial real estate, blazing a trail, starting a really successful career, growing a and He just won uh, 40 under and, 40 uh, Phoenix Business Journal. Yes. Yes, total badass, like such a blessing for all of us. So those three guys, uh, after a few different iterations, said, hey, Nate, let's start getting together once a month. Let's brainstorm. This is all pre-COVID. Let's get together in person once a month over coffee. No formal agenda. B and I, we do a lot of formal formalities. We've got agendas. We've got policies. We've got guidelines, and they work all around the world. Well, these guys said, hey, not what you do over there, but similar and different. Let's get together and see what happens. Um, and, and really, they're the visionaries of the story. I think sometimes it gets misconstrued. I, I'm, I, I, I like to consider myself a visionary. I definitely have some vision. But another one of my keys to success that now looking back over my career is I've always surrounded myself with people who have even bigger visions than mine, who are able to articulate visions even bigger than the ones I have or that I contribute to. And all three of those guys are direct examples. They all three dream so big and are such great visionaries in their companies, in their community, in stuff like 40 Under 40, and certainly with their families. So the four of us got together and that. We estimate that was probably about seven or eight years ago. We'd meet on Wednesday morning, 7 a.m. before any of us were going to work or starting our days. No agenda, no handouts, no notes even really, no technology, like coffee and a couple of dudes at a table. Uh, that blossomed into a group that grew to 10 to 12, wanting to show up for these coffees pretty quickly. Again, we had no name, we had no leadership, we had no structure. Uh, and then a few other guys start showing up and we said, hey, if we're gonna do this every week, we kind of should have a name, maybe a tiny bit of structure. And you can edit this out if you want. I wouldn't blame you at all. But the first name that group Give us the name. took to itself <laughs> <laughs> was thug life. And it was only internal. We didn't have a website. We still don't. We aren't on Facebook. We're not like a public group per se. We're not a secret. Here's what I tell like my close family that knows I go on these summits and wonders like, who are you doing this with? I say, we're not a secret society because we're not a secret. Like people know we exist. People know we get together. But we're also not like a you know, public entity. We're not a company. We're not a BNI chapter. We're not a chamber of commerce. We're not a, you know, uh, we're indescribable is really what I would say, even though I've been around from the beginning. So we had to have a little name to joke around internally. It lasted like a year. We started upping the level of, of professionals that we were inviting to join us for these coffee meetings and having a name like Thug Life, it was just creating a bigger and bigger gap. So uh, it was during the pandemic. This is the power of knowledge, by the way, to tie this quick story in. I, I like to read. My dad knows I like to read. But really up until this point, three or four years ago, I'd say 99% of the reading I had done in my life was business related. Business books, public speaking books, business stories, business magazines, like business, 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 business. I got my degree in business and a teacher must have told me at NAU, read as much business stuff as you can. I had never really gotten into biographies or autobiographies. And I had done almost 0.0 studying of American history uh, up until this point in my life. Um, when the pandemic hit, my dad gave me a book that was a biography on Benjamin Franklin. And it's actually like a table, uh, a coffee table book. It's about a thousand pages long, written by Walter Isaacson. True story. Odds are I would have never opened that book had the pandemic not hit. And now I'm working from home and I'm teaching my kids school from home. I had this thousand page book that like at any other time in my life would have looked too daunting to open. Um, but I was at home and we were all at home and we had no idea how long we were going to be at home. So I started reading this book and I learned a ton about Ben Franklin. I know you two have heard this out of me many times. I tell anybody that will listen now, if you haven't studied Benjamin Franklin at all, which I hadn't, Spend five minutes of your life even and read his Wikipedia. 
Um, I'm grateful and you know know enough about all the founding fathers of the U.S. by now, thanks to that book and other books I've read since. This is just my opinion. Some people have like wanted to argue me on this, but I think I know enough to have my own opinion and say that I think Benjamin Franklin was the most important founding father in, in the creation of the United States. Even though he never went on to be president, he never even went on to be vice president. Most of the rest of the guys uh, who signed the original Declaration of Independence went on to be president or vice president or congressmen or senators. Ben Franklin was more so like behind the scenes guy. He was also an inventor. Uh, he was a printer and he was a networker actually and an entrepreneur and started really young. He also did not come from money. A lot of the other founding fathers, if you study them, like George Washington, a lot of them came from families that had thousands of acres of land in the colonies or had successful businesses. Ben Franklin did not come from much, instead was a self-driven and self-made entrepreneur who died you know, very wealthy thanks to printing businesses and, and a lot of different things he was involved in. Anyhow, I read the book and what I notice in there, it's not highlighted. It's not like an entire chapter's worth, but there were a few sentences like describing him in his 20s, well before our country was formed, that he created a group up in uh, Philadelphia. It was originally called the Leather Apron Club. It was a group of businessmen and friends of his who would get together once a week. They would do so in the evenings, from what I read, over cold beer instead of coffee. I think we all do a little bit of both now. And uh, they would just like ask questions and find ways to help each other to help each other's businesses, to help each other's minds, to help each other's families, et cetera. They then changed the name of that group, I don't know, 20 years later or something, to Junto, which can be interpreted and, and pronounced in many different ways we have confirmed. Some people say Junto, it's J-U-N-T-O is how you spell it. Uh, the root uh, description of the word Junto is to assemble. So these guys were assembling together once a week they got rid of the name Leather Apron Club. They, they brainstormed. They came up with J-U-N-T-O. Depending on who you ask, it can be pronounced Junto, Junto, or Junto, where the J is uh, not pronounced at all. Anyhow, we needed a new name for a little group here in the Valley of the Sun. We probably had 15 members at that time. Uh, everybody was asked to go home and come to the next meeting with a suggested name, like anything a little bit more professional than Thug Life, and I had just read that section of that book, which I've now done a ton more research on, threw it out to the group, and as soon as, here's my weak memory, as soon as I, somebody said, well, what does that word mean? And I said, to assemble, and it immediately stuck, and the group said, that's our name from now on. We've added Arizona to it simply because that's where we all live and meet, and uh, we now meet once a week for about nine or, ten, excuse me, once a month for nine or ten months a year. Still over coffee, still early. We meet on Thursday mornings now instead of Wednesdays, once a month. And then we do this summit that all three of us were so uh, blessed to experience this week, where once a year, all the members of the group, uh, as busy as we are with our families and businesses, we carve out the time. We rent a home together. For the last three years, it's been different spots of northern Arizona, cooler weather this time of year, uh, worse internet connection, so a little less connectivity. And we, how I've described it to people that are curious, we work really hard, we mastermind during the day, and then we play cornhole and beanbag toss and, and a plethora of games, and we cook our meals together and do all that stuff in the evening. And it's really just become something that I love more than just about any other organization group, you know, thing I've ever done in my entire life, as you guys picked up on when it even made me a little emotional last week. Yeah, totally. Uh, before we get into some of the nuggets and takeaways of, of our summit, that, that was our third annual. I remember when you had reached out to me to say, hey, come join our group. And this was March 2020, the first meeting I was going to go to. And then we all know the pandemic hit. And it was like, I think it was Duncan or someone else that emailed me goes, hey, amigo, we're putting this on hold for a little while. And I was like, all right, you know, I didn't know anybody in the group really outside of you. Uh, November 2020 was the first official, my first meeting of Junto at Duncan's uh, office in downtown Phoenix, Chris Duncan. And from there, it's just been a mindset shift. And that's, I think, what is so powerful about this group and what I think Benjamin Franklin and founding fathers and other men back in the back in the day were trying to do was how do we grow ourselves personally and professionally to create something so amazing for our communities, for ourselves, for our families. And that's the purpose of what we're trying to do. And that was super impactful for me instead of, you know, you have BNI, you have referrals, you have other things, but this is just something different where it just gives you a higher, uh, you're, you're in a room, your circle of influence, as you mentioned earlier, with people that are at or far above where you are or where you want to be and just learning from each other and growing with each other. 
um, was awesome. So yeah, our third annual summit up in Heber called the Legacy Lodge. I don't know how more fitting that could be uh, to stay up there, but this place was a compound. I'm pretty sure it was the Sky Mall guy that owns the place, right? That's what we found out, <laughs> the guy that started Sky Mall. But um, the, the last two days, it was just this past week. The two days were incredible, just immersed, uh, diving into each other's businesses. And some of the biggest nuggets that I picked away was uh, picked up was like the stages of entrepreneurship and how you get there. How do you become a good leader and manager? Um, you know, I think it was just super impactful. And we had some sessions. We had Zanzibar uh, Vermiglio, who is an amazing person, an amazing coach, run the agenda for us. But I did want to point out one last thing is you were on the design team for most of the last three years, if not all of the last three years for Gento. And you helped put together this last summit. You led this last summit. And I just want everyone to know that you absolutely killed it. Like the way you put together everything, the way the, the agenda was ran, the way you worked with Zanzibar and, you know, we had a couple other guys that were on the design team as well, but that takes a lot of work and it's a volunteer job. We all pay dues to go in and the design team is volunteering to run those, those meetings and you nailed it, man. You, you they were so organized and so efficient. Uh, so I just really appreciate you for, for taking the lead on that um, because it made a super uh, massive impact on everybody in that group. Well, thank you. I will literally take a tiny, like a half a percent of the credit. It was a team effort. It was seeing uh, how these things were done the first two years where we had no plan going in. Um, you know, we, when this group was started very organically, like I mentioned, there was no mention for the several years of ever doing an offsite retreat or a summit that happened organically. The first one happened organically. Jim Stevens, who you both know, gets so much credit for laying the groundwork, uh, uh, Ted Lyles, who I mentioned earlier, he's who introduced me. This is the power of networking and the group to this guy, Zanzibar Vermiglio. Yes, that is his name. For those of you taking notes, Zanzibar is his first name. Vermiglio is his second name. He lives up in Denver, Colorado. He is a coach and an inspirational speaker. I don't know what he would actually title himself as, but he is amazing. And I highly recommend everybody look this guy up. He just has rocked my world since I met him which was Ted's doing. Ted connected me and a few other members in the group a few years ago to Zanzibar. I've studied him since then. I, I've seen him speak. And then it was, a, it was a Hail Mary to say to a guy, as busy as he is, as valuable as he is, hey, will you leave your family and your business in Denver, come all the way down here to be with the, most of these guys you've never met and um, work with us and facilitate for us. And it was pretty special. And I left that out of the story. I think it's worth this being tied into the overall Junto, Arizona story. I don't remember when it was, because I'm not good with like timelines, obviously. But whenever it was that the point came that some of the members realized we needed at least a little bit of structure to take it forward, that was pivotal. And that's when the idea of a design team was created. I've been on it, but I never had led it until more recently. Um, and it's been just as valuable for me as it appears to have been for you guys. So I'm so grateful. It's also time to hand over the torch, which I am so thankful that you two are both directly involved. I know that the group's in the best hands it's ever been. I speak for Ted Lyles as well. And so now, really starting like yesterday, uh, Ted and I are members of the group. We'll always be available. We'll, we'll always trust and, and honor whatever decisions are made and whatever structure evolves to the next phase. But knowing you two are both involved, all of our mutual friend Mike Brewer's involvement, Chris Duncan that you mentioned. I mean, I could name all 20 guys and everything. There's 21 members of the group right now for those curious. Uh, and every one of them would play such a big role. But you two are instrumental to where we've been, getting us to this point. And I'm so excited about the, what the future holds with you two both on the design team and taking lead roles. And I uh, can't wait for Summit next year. Yeah, with the work that's been done by you and 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 Jim Stevens and the rest of the design team over the years, the the foundation's set, right? The blocking and tackling's been done. What's going to be exciting is next year and the year beyond, how much deeper we can go now that we have the logistics out of place and we actually have a culture that's intentionally going into these things for growth, for evolution, and uh, it's it sky's the limit for the group, obviously. One of the key things that I took away, I mean, there was so much, like I was reviewing notes when I got home and I'm like, you need to set some time aside so to much. get these organized and kind of absorb them. But the fact that we are limited only by the nature of the purpose that we fully authorize ourselves to accomplish. And that you could see the way the group processed that, the way the questions that were asked following that and some of the silence was extremely impactful for for the entire group and that if we're if we're segregating our purpose 
from our business, from our family, that's going to make the accomplishment of the goals that much more difficult. So bringing those together and the work that we did on really tying together the bringing the picture into one, getting clear and focused on it, and we're going to break that down at our first chapter meeting in September was was huge. And I know that you were taking avid notes and, and were processing that. I was curious about what, what yours were from that from that exercise, what you took away from that with BNI, with Kelly, with everything that's going on. And then again, kind of loaded question, very quick to summarize and close out with how you feel about networking and communication for younger people. As of right now, we've talked about the pandemic a little bit and just technology in general, how you think that that is going to be ingrained in society going forward, maybe just high level trends you're seeing or how you think young people are going to continue to network? So great question and great takeaways. And yes, I've got pages of notes and just so many thoughts bouncing around uh, during the trip and since we've all gotten home. Uh, to me, uh, one thing that was a huge takeaway was state. And you both played a role in this. Zanzibar played a role in this. And how much control we each have as individuals, regardless of our age, regardless of what we do, regardless of who we've associated ourselves with, the control we have of our own state, our own state of mind. And, and really blazing our own trail, irrelevant of what's going on in the economy. You know, a lot of my clientele are in the real estate and mortgage worlds, a lot of our clientele. And right now that's interesting and tough, um, tougher than it's been in, in years, more than a decade. But here's what I, I was thinking about during the trip and even during this meeting here today. The people I'm seeing, even in the industries like real estate and mortgage, are the ones who are dictating their own state, their own state of mind, more so than letting outside elements do that. And I think that was kind of a theme that I wasn't expecting to take away from this particular summit. You know, our idea was level up or our theme, if you will, was next level. Let's take our businesses and our lives to the next level. One thing I came home with, and I'm definitely consciously thinking about is the control of my own state, my own plans, my own thoughts. And really for me, I have a huge homework assignment. We have a bunch of great processes in our business but we've done a terrible job documenting it, in my opinion. I have done a terrible job documenting the processes that I'm in directly involved in in my company, even though I've got them up here and I can verbalize them really well and I've charted them on whiteboards in front of dozens of people over the years. We don't have a lot of documentation. What I learned from you two, everybody there, is part of my state of mind has got to be spending the time doing even more blocking and tackling internally to, to document that stuff and to consciously think about that stuff and to control my subconscious so that, um, you know, it can all continue to grow. And you mentioned the word culture. Um, I think the culture of that group is getting so strong and has come to be so strong that it's forcing me to take the culture of everything else I do and make it stronger. And those were some summary, huge takeaways for me. And I think every young person, every regardless of age or experience, or if you're cleaning golf clubs at McCormick Ranch Golf Course tomorrow, or you're building businesses or selling businesses for huge multiples, um, I think the more you control your own state and the more that you document and, and dictate the future and what you've already done and where you're going, the better off everybody will be. Yeah, that's a that's a great takeaway. And as you said, mentioned, the authorizing yourself, uh, you know, of, of what you can accomplish, right? And and recognizing that the impossible is possible. And it's just getting in that state of mind and the purpose of doing what you're trying to accomplish outweighs, far outweighs the reasons why you, why not, or why you shouldn't, or why you can't. And I think that's really important. And that's a great takeaway I got from Summit as well. Um, but as we wrap up, I wanted to ask one final question. And I don't think I know this answer. I don't think I've ever asked this in a direct form. Uh, but what does success mean to Nate Dominguez? That is a really good question. And a short and sweet answer. I would say it's uh, getting out of bed with a feeling of accomplishment every day, which I don't do by any stretch. I have up and down days just like I know everybody does. But I personally feel a little bit more successful now at this point in my life than I have at other points. And I think it's in part because I wake up with intention more days than not or more days than I used to. And that's whether it is directly involving my family, my responsibilities as a homeowner and a father in my family and in my house or in my business or in our Junto group and stuff leading up to that. And 
Um, it's taken a lot of work. It's taken a lot of learning along the way. I love this bracelet, by the way, Stephen. If you haven't noticed, my Oppo uh, yeah, bands yeah. here. Love um, it. One of the ones you gave us says "Win or Learn," and I'm, I, I couldn't have said this even a few short years ago. I'm very grateful, and I think a level of my feeling of accomplishment and success that anybody, if I can do it, anybody can do it. Trust me when I say that. Um, that I am at a point where if I wake up and I don't have a great day or I get thrown a curveball and I don't win, I do still learn. And that makes me wake up the next day with a little bit more intention, a little bit more to accomplish and accomplished, which is how I kind of summarize success. I could go on for days. I, I, I like that the words, you know, I'm not driven by money by any stretch, but I realize money helps. And the more I can make money, the more I can help other people make money and I can pay people money to do what they love to do. Um, and the fact that success has a bunch of S's in it, it's like fifth on my list, but sometimes I'll draw it out in front of people when I get asked a question like that. And I'll actually make the dollar sign success, even though that's not the goal for me. It's the byproduct. When you wake up with more intention, when you get more done, when you help other people get more done, you tend to make more money and it just allows the snowball to get bigger and bigger. That's my Absolutely. Long, long, short answer on success. Love it as well. Where can the listeners find you, Nate? If uh, we got some uh, some entrepreneurs or small business owners that are looking to network, where can they find you? So funny thing, I love to network. So I am oftentimes found at networking events all throughout the Valley, um, whether that's a volunteer community event. My family and I attend a lot of those for organizations like the Fiesta Bowl Committee and uh, HELP, which is um, helping homeless people and homeless kids live better lives. Um, we build uh, bunk beds together as I've had been. So out networking in the community, you can find me often. I network at a lot of different business-related meetings throughout the Valley of the Sun and throughout all of Northern Arizona as well. Uh, but online, you know, no surprise, my my um, my Twitter handle is at networking Nate. Surprise, surprise. Same touch. as your same as your but, license uh, plate. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so don't you have networker on your no license vowels. plate? Yeah. <laughs> networker with no vowels. Yeah. But uh, I'm pretty easy to find on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, the typical channels. Um, we've got an office in Central Phoenix. I'd invite anybody and everybody to be there. But Phil, as you have found before, I'm not there as often as I could be, uh, really, because I'm out networking a lot. But uh, I love the Valley of the Sun. I love the state of Arizona. I like to travel as well. But if you need to track me down here in Arizona, if there's anything I can ever do for either of you, for your businesses, for your families, for your outreach, for your communities, don't ever hesitate to let me know. We appreciate it, Nate. Yeah, we'll throw Nate's contact info in the uh, the show notes, uh, so you can you can jump on there and check out some more information about BNI as well. But really appreciate you jumping on, man. This is a great episode, a great pod, and and uh, I just love you, brother. Feelings mutual, boys. Thank you so much for all you do for me and my life, my business, and my family. I couldn't do it without you. That's a wrap for the successful pod. Like, follow. We'll be at this place next week.